This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. This show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. If you're new to the show, but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, check out The Art of Charm Toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attractions such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, relationship development, networking, breakups, a lot of things that are more important than some of us might think. And we've got our live programs running every single week here in Hollywood, California. Details at theartofcharm.com or give us a call here in the office, 888-413-7177 or email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting everyone in LA at The Art of Charm. Now today, we're talking with my friend Scott Dinsmore. Interesting cat, he's the founder of Live Your Legend. We're gonna talk about surrounding yourself with your five closest friends and how you only go as far as your five closest friends. This is a concept I teach a lot on The Art of Charm on the show here, we discuss it a lot, and a lot of well-to-do people seem to have the same type of thinking. We're gonna talk about the process of creating a network in the first place, and of course, making sure the people you do meet are in alignment with your values, we're gonna talk about making genuine connections, even if you're an introvert as well, how to figure out the real and unique value you can offer to others, no matter how successful they are, how to connect with influencers, mentorship do's and don'ts, and even more. So I hope you enjoy this one with Scott Dinsmore of Live Your Legend. Today I'm talking with Scott Dinsmore of Live Your Legend. Tell us who you are. As everybody knows who listens to the show, I don't like to read the old bio, even if it is awesome. Awesome, Jordan. Well, thanks for having me here, man. This is fun. Um, yeah, so Live Your Legend is a, a business and community, a global community that helps people find and do work they're excited about. And we mainly do that by s- helping them surround themselves with the right people, kind of to make it possible. Excellent. And so how do you surround yourself with the right people? Because we talk about that a lot. You only go as high as your five closest friends, et cetera. Right, yeah. And that's something, I mean, the, the core, we, it's funny, we didn't start with surroundings in the beginning. We started out with career tools and things like that, which we still have. But we realize that the best career tools in the world are useless if your friends tell you they're stupid for using them. And, and so we thought, okay, the surroundings thing is huge. And that Jim Rohn quote, you're the average of the five people uh, around you is, is kind of the foundation. So there's, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to go about it. So I guess we'll get into some different specific techniques, but I guess the first thing is to realize like, where are you right now? And like do an audit of who do I know right now? Who brings me up? Who brings me down so that we can start replacing a bad habit with with a better habit, so to speak, with more inspiring and helpful people. That's good. So it's essentially a habit that you're creating of surrounding yourself with good people, not just like, all right, checklist to do. Today I'm gonna surround myself with five really awesome people. Go. Because I think a lot of people look at it like that, where they're like, hmm, I'm gonna ditch all my old friends and make all these high-level friends, and then they start doing things like, dear Scott, can we hang out and be BFFs forever? let's meet at Workshop Cafe every day at 8 a.m. And, and inspire each other. And you're like, delete, right? I mean, do you get stuff like that? Not probably that ridiculous, but... Well, yeah, I mean, you want it to be fluid. I mean, the whole, the whole idea is I, I, when we talk about making connections, a lot of people get nervous about it. And they're like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to offer, all these kinds of things. 
And I try and I always tell them to reframe it as look at these people as friends you haven't met yet. If you're going to surround yourself with people who are excited, have similar values and goals and things like that, the, the key is just like showing up and opening your mouth. And generally, you'll find that you guys have more in common than you realize, especially compared to your, let's say, high school buddies that maybe you were just friends with because it was situational. You know, it didn't have to do with who you were. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times when you're growing up, like my first friends were the kids who lived on my street and like some kid in kindergarten class who happened to live close because your parents aren't going to be like, I'm going to drive you across town because you think that kid's nice. They're like, oh, they live close. You're playing with him. Right. It doesn't matter. And then later on in school, it's like you join the football team and there's some other kids and you're like, yeah, this kid's cool. I'm going to ride my bike down there. And you start hanging out with them. High school, probably something similar. College, you're friends with the kids like in your dorm, on your floor, in your classes. Your girlfriend is a girl you met in Anthro 101 and stuff like that. And then when you grow up, quote unquote, if you ever do that, I haven't yet. You know, you go to an office and it's like, oh, my office mate's cool. And this other kid in our department's cool, so we're going to hang out. And then for me, I kind of woke up one day in college and in law school, and I was like, I don't want to just be friends. Every time I get circumstantially placed around people, I'm always kind of like, meh. The problem with that is then the people who I should have surrounded myself with, we were all doing the same thing. So we we're all hanging around with like the same few like energy vampires. And then we started to be like, this is lame. Let's just study and move on. Because you sort of decide, I'm not going to be friends with these people forever. And even if you are hanging out with them, partying with them, you're like, you're just over it. You know, you just move on. And you start to realize, oh, crap, nobody has my back. And even if they do, I've got this, quote unquote, network of people that aren't really doing anything. And it's not that all your friends are losers or all my friends were losers. But I remember in law school very distinctly being like, everyone I know is drinking at the bar across the street right now. And there are three people I know that are studying because they're like super anal retentive and they make outlines of every book thing that we read, even though they don't need to because they feel like they need to work. Nobody's doing anything. They're either fucking around or they're, they're working for the sake of keeping themselves busy. I remember being like, I'm going to make new friends and I'm not going to hang out with those people until I do that because otherwise I'm going to fall right back into that safety net. And that was a weird aha moment for me where I realized, oh my God, I have no idea how to make new friends from scratch that aren't in a class with me and aren't sitting next to me. I have no clue. And that's what prompted me to start going out every day by myself and trying to learn this stuff. And that's not generally something that someone, the average person has the courage to go no. and do. You're, you're a rather unique situation, I think. I'm you know? a little weird. <laughs> I think I just hit the wall because I was in law school where everybody is awful. Yeah. So like, <laughs> myself included back then anyway, I'm not exempting myself from that. <laughs> and part of the thing is in the beginning, let's say that high school situation, even college or, I mean, this happens throughout your whole life, but you don't know anything about yourself. And so in order to really get this right and to surround yourself with the right people, quote unquote, you need to know about what you actually care about. What do you value? What do you not value? What do you want to stay away from? And so that comes over time, but also comes from like focused attention of that kind of self-discovery process that never ends. And, but as you, I guess, learn bits and pieces, you start to just navigate towards that, like you're tacking a sailboat or something like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think, what is tacking a sailboat, by the way? Well, to me, and I, I am no sailor, but I've heard the example plenty of times where the sails, sailboat's never going directly straight. It's going right or left, and you're constantly going back and forth to uh, make sure you're on track. Oh, okay. So like a, how a missile probably works, where it's like winds around. I'm not familiar, but yes, probably missiles. I'm more familiar with missiles <laughs> yeah. than sailboats, buddy. Good. That's that socioeconomic divide showing up. <laughs> so it's a self-guided process, but how do you initiate the process? Because I think a lot of people are sitting here right now going, okay, I need to surround myself with people. I'll, I guess I'll go to a networking meetup. And you're like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. 
why not and what do we do instead yeah i really i can't stand the word networking just because it's like totally it's word it's totally void of like it dehumanizes the whole thing like if you're if you're building and working on things you care about and you're looking to surround yourself with like interesting people then those are the people you want to have wine with go on workouts with all that kind of stuff and so i don't see a line there and we don't spend really the people in our community that are looking to do work they care about it's not about like oh how do i work myself up some ladder to nowhere so so no networking i let's say well the way i see that word i avoid it but yeah um so really it's it starts with just like find one person you want to have like the littlest baby steps of progress like let's say like this week we're gonna do something it's like yeah. okay, think of one person who who inspires you who you know there's somebody either in your group of friends or family or maybe extended group of friends whatever that there's just something about them that fires you up. And I'm guessing you know more than one if you really think about it. But you also, so you want to do that and also think about the people who are bringing you down and think, okay, let's just trade one experience this week or in the next couple of weeks of, I was going to hang out with the folks who always make fun of my ideas or whatever it is. Right, you know, we yeah. know when we're drained when we finish hanging out with folks and just decide, I'm going to say no that to, to that person. Instead, I'm going to give this person a call or just send him an email or offer to have a workout with them or coffee or just something to start that. And then when you have one interaction with that person, you tell them what you're up to, what, why you're interested in kind of pursuing this route, what you're excited about or what you're building, whatever it is, depending on your goals, then that will often lead to other conversations. I mean, you, I always suggest asking for a referral. I don't like the word referral sounds it too sounds formal. like the word networking right. in many ways. But it's like, yeah, but it's just like, who else like is into this kind of stuff? Like, cause I'd, I'd love to see how I could help. And always, it's always about like, how can you add value to the person you're talking? To. Right. What was that? Is it like a Zig Ziglar thing where it's like, You'll get whatever you want by helping other people get what they want. It's like a non-cheesy extension of that. Yeah, and it's, it's just real, though. I mean, and it's just the name of the game with any of this stuff. With, with interacting with anybody, it's like, how can I make this person's life experience better? And that's why I say, look at these people as friends you haven't met yet. Because let's say you're about to approach someone. You're nervous. You're, maybe it's like a, a well-known author or whatever it is. And you don't know what to say. Well, if you imagine they're like a best friend, you just haven't chatted with them yet. What would you do? Well, you're not going to shove your product down their throat. Right. You're going to remember their name, their whatever birthday, their spouse's name, what they're working on. You'll know about it already and you'll yeah. offer some ideas. I mean, it's just, it seems like common sense, but we get so like caught up in like whatever the glamour of someone's title or whatever it is, you know, or caught yeah. in our own head. So, Well, that definitely makes sense as well. And one of the things that caught me was you say, I offered to have a workout with people. So if people are like, hey, Jordan, let's go for a jog, I might be, well, I hate jogging now, but when I did like it, or let's go for a bike ride, I'm always like, that's cool, because I know you probably can't bother me too much while we're doing that, and you probably won't want to, because it'll ruin your experience, too, yep. and I never really thought about that consciously, so like, if somebody who would normally say, let's have, because here's a trigger word for me, let's go have coffee, hell no, <laughs> because that means you want a free coaching mentoring session that has to do with like, you're going to spring some weirdo life problem on me that is going to come out of left field. And I am going to be like, why did I show up for this? Right. You know what I'm talking <laughs> oh, about? Oh yeah, for sure. And the, and like, not that I don't like helping people, but it's people aren't saying, I really need your help with something. They're saying, I'd love to buy you a beer. And I'm like, I like free beer. I've fallen for that before. And then you go and you're like, oh, this wasn't worth it. You know? But if, if people are like, let's go for a bike ride, I'm kind of like, oh, there's a good chance he's going to take me to like a cool place yeah, in the city that I don't know as a thank you. And even if we are talking about businessy stuff, I'll be enjoying the bike ride at some level. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the, right. The worst case is that you're going to go on a workout anyway. And so and you want to try and find things that are like no extra time type of activities like yeah. that. You know, yeah. Like the open ended coffee invitation is like, what the hell am I going to do with that? Like, yeah. that, could, that could take me half the afternoon or yeah. whatever. You yeah, know? That's, that's a good point. Coffee could be a three-hour experience, whereas a bike ride, 
we are going to plan the beginning and the end, but I'm going to get a workout out of it. Because coffee, I can make coffee at home. I don't need to go have coffee with some random stranger. And and this is a big part of it, is that you want to find ways to share things that you're excited about. And so, like, coffee is just like, blah. Like, unless it's like you find the most unique artisan craft spot in the, right. in, in, you know the owner. Like, Sam of our tea lounge in San Francisco, Jesse Jacobs is the owner. I love it. And his story is incredible. He had talked to 72 banks to get his yes on a loan. He got 71 no's. right there. Yeah, it's right down the street. Yeah. And that's where I love meeting people because I tell the story, I bring them in. It's, it's a unique thing. It's not just some like blah, let's yeah. go down the street. But the workout thing, it, it just gets you to sync up on something that you're excited about. So bam, all of a sudden you have a little bit more rapport because that's the whole name of the game, right? Sure. It's like, what do we have in common? And then something interesting happens when you share like deep breathing, sweating, like just physical movement. Yeah. It, it makes for a different, deeper connection just no matter what. It's like a, sure, there's an evolutionary psychology the battle thing, right? You're like working on something together, even if you're working on discrete tasks, right? It's a team thing in a lot of ways. There's oxytocin and endorphins going on. Yeah, so you're associating that yeah. with the person you're with. So I mean, yeah. I bet subconsciously a lot of stuff going on. I don't have data behind that, but... you don't. We don't even really need it. Right. The, the beauty of this is I'm not a scientist and I don't claim to be. So anecdotally, go out and try it. And if you think we're full of crap, then cool. But there's a lot of people who know that we're not. Right. And you'll find out if you try it that it's a good idea. I don't really need Scientific American to publish data about oxytocin levels right. in the brain when you're hanging out with somebody and working out. And it's it's easier to get yeses too. I mean, the more unique, I think you well, you don't want to go too crazy with your your um, invitation to do something. But I think better to err on the crazy side yeah. than on the non crazy side. I've invited people to participate in swims from Alcatraz or fifty mile ultra marathons, like whatever. Like, yeah. so just, you when somebody when you invite somebody on a workout, they better be ready to work out. Well, it. It, it depends. You you obviously gauge it with what they're into. And ideally, you know about something that they're interested in. So you're going to line it up, you know, and I won't invite <laughs> someone on a bike ride because I'll fall off a bike. My feet will get stuck in the little pedals. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I mean, if it, I can just imagine people are like, hey, Jordan, let's uh, why don't we just take the stairs instead of the elevator? All right. All right that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, but I mean, and, and it also comes back to the idea of adding value. So there's a lot of ways to add value that people you get when we've done like our research, we've done you know, surveys and all kinds of things with thousands of people about what keeps you from reaching out to people. And one of the top, I think it's like six or seven we found is always, I have nothing to offer. Yes, and, exactly. Which isn't true. Which is never true. It's just a lack of creativity. And so oftentimes, I mean, of course, you're not going to, if you're going to talk to, let's say, a best-selling author who's been a journalist at the Wall Street Journal for 20 years, you're not going to talk to them, help them with writing, obviously. That's their wheelhouse. But yeah, but who knows? Maybe their child is looking to get an internship or go to a certain college or you've done your research because you know about them and you care about them and you're interested. You can offer something that's that's unique there. Yeah, and that's true. A guy, a guy recently. Um, well, now it's been a few years um, came to town. He's at one of the bigger bloggers out there and he uh, had just moved to town and I was starstruck and he had taught me a lot through some of his programs. And I he did a meetup of like 50 people or something I'm like, yeah. OK, this is my chance to like say thanks and just say hello, whatever. So I knew that he was a vegan and so was his wife and my wife and I eat mostly plants and she's a big cook and we love food. So we wrote together like a list of like, I don't know, 20 places in San Francisco. And I said, hey, man, I had two minutes to talk to him because it was a busy, busy event. I said, hey, thanks for what you're doing. Really appreciate it. And by the way, I know you're new to town. I thought you'd appreciate this list um, just because we love food. and I heard you guys do, too. It's all these vegan spots. And by the way, I know you're you know, I know you're a runner. I've read about that. There's some great trails. If you ever want to do it, let me know. And it was just a quick thing. It wasn't a manipulative thing. It was like, if I had just moved to town, what would I appreciate? Yeah. And this guy it was a rock star author and entrepreneur. 
I'm not going to try any by any way try and help there. Yeah. But I was the expert on food at the moment yeah. in San Francisco. Are you vegan? No, but we eat probably 90% plants. I mean, we keep it at home. It's pretty much vegan. Keep my, it planty. What's that? Keep it <laughs> keep it simple. Keep you know, it planty. But, um, All right. But we love ourselves a good pizza, and and we'll do seafood and stuff. But um, but anyway, so then that led to us going on a workout together, and then. I mean, over time, the workout was a 30 minute workout turned into a two hour run. And we actually ran a ultra marathon together last year. And just you, if you start in a place where you care about and it's not yeah. some BS, just networking thing. Right. You have a chance of actually making a real friendship. And now he's like a very close friend. But yeah, well, it's not a bunch of crap. It's not a ruse. Right? right. It's legit. And if people think you're doing it to manipulate, like people's bullshit meters are very finely tuned. Well, you know? especially people who get this all the time, because there's a lot of people who write in I got an email the other day. Uh, actually, it was about a month ago now, but who's counting? The guy writes, hey, I see a lot of problems with a sitemap on like your podcast website. And I was like, cool, tell me about that. And he goes, well, I usually charge for that. And I was like, F you, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Are right. you kidding me? First of all, he was like, I'm a huge fan of your show. I've used the stuff for a long time and it's really changed my life. Then he proceeds to tell me I usually charge for that. To which I was like, great, I appreciate the help. Thinking like, you're not actually telling me you want right. money from me, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, you would think that was the first, maybe the first thing you say is like, yeah, I usually charge for this, but here's a five-page report I put together for you because yeah. I care about what you're doing. And I was like, that's not the end of the email. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, Did the, you, your email cut off at the end where you say I usually charge for this. I didn't get the attachment. And it's fine to let people know you charge for stuff, but be like, offer it then for free. I mean, right. it's, somewhat, it, it's a thank you. And that's what, so again, for the, the adding value thing, like I've had people, you know, like editors will write me and say, hey, Scott, I've read your stuff. I love it. I'm a big fan. I've also noticed typos and they see that clearly I don't have some of my yeah. shit figured out. She's like, I've been a ghostwriter for years and this is my wheelhouse. I'm happy to edit wherever you want. Here's a few blog posts I already sent. You know, I, I just, they're attached, you know, that are, that are ready to rock. Let me know if you want any other help and I'd happy to do some free work. And then if you want to work together later, like that would be great. They set the expectation. They'd love to actually work with you, but it's not about like just, just trying to just scrape your way to that. And she ended up rocking it, edited a 250 page thing I had written and now she's my go-to editor for the yeah, last three years. Sure. You know? it was, and yeah. she, she got through the barrier immediately because I didn't get this email and it said, Scott, I like your stuff. Um, I'd love to help. Let me know if I can ever help you. That's nice. It's totally useless. Yeah. Unfortunately, because what, what are you good at? I don't know what you're good at. Yeah. You know, what are you excited about? Like, she's putting the, the monkey on your back. Yeah. Which, now I have to figure out what you can do. And I remember people going, if you ever, people ask me that all the time. Let me know how I can ever help you. And I go, with what? And they're like, anything. And I'm like, that's not... I get what you're saying. You're trying to be more useful by not limiting me to what you can help with. But if I'm like, great, you know what I really need? I need somebody who's going to be able to edit all of my ID3 tags and all of my old MP3s on iTunes and then replace them in Libsyn, my CDN. And they're going to go, what did you just say? <laughs> and then another, he's going to go, I can look at your website and like proofread for errors. Well, then friggin' tell me that. Yeah. Because I don't want to have to think about how you can help me because I just won't do that. That's work for me. I don't want, you're making work for me where I get to guess what you're going to do. And then we also know, I'm sure you get this all the time, where free help, usually you go, great, you're a writer. Can you write this for me? And then like three months later, they're like, sorry for the delay. I've just been so busy. And you're like, I already, you're dead to me already. I don't even know you anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, break all those barriers down and like, and just show up when the first, first time you reach out, just offer the value, have it be right there. And so it's very clear that you mean business. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. And uh, even if it is for self, because a lot of people right now are going, but I do want this person to help me later. I do need this. And an example that I have from earlier this week, a girl said, I'm trying to build my resume, full disclosure, and I never thought to reach out to you, but my friend Noah Kagan, as your friend Noah Kagan, 
and I'm in his class and he said, reach out to Jordan, he probably won't say something mean and tell you to go fly a kite. So she's like, I wanna see what written content I can offer you for your blog. And I said, well, we don't accept a lot of written content for the blog, but I know you wanna get backlinks and you wanna build your resume. If you can write show notes for my podcast, back episodes that I don't have good show notes for, for every two episodes that you do, which would require her to listen to the show for you know an hour each and then write a little 300 word blurb, I'll post a blog post of yours as long as it's a good fit for my audience. She goes, great. She wrote back with an example blog post that was basically like a diary entry about her dating in New York that had no value to offer <laughs> my audience whatsoever and goes, what do you think? And I was like, still waiting for the show notes on my shows. Like, don't deliver the part that you want me yeah. to do first. Right. Deliver what I want first and then write something that fits my, do the part that benefits you last. Right. Because otherwise, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna post this and then trust that you're not gonna right. screw me on the work. Also, this piece is crap. Yeah. I mean, that's not cool at all. <laughs> right. And people do that all the time. And, and they're not thinking, I need to get mine first because Jordan might not. They're just going, oh, well, this is the part that's important to me, so I'm only focused on that. And the subtext is, I'm not worried about what you need. I'm only worried about what I need. Right. I think it's another Dale Carnegie quote, but you can make more progress, meet more people, or make more friends in two months being generally interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get them interested in you. And this stuff sounds, again, like simple, but it's so basic, like treat someone as a freaking human. What would you do? If they were your best friend, you would offer value with no keeping score. Like you just wouldn't. And the, it just, it, it works out. If nothing else, it feels good. <laughs> keeping score is important. I, I, or not keeping score, rather. It's important. <laughs> <Right>. Sorry. <laughs> to just go against everything that you said. Keeping, yeah, because, for example, when we create this, I definitely want to make sure that it goes out on your stuff because that's how we grow our audience, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to be like, I'm waiting for your blog post, buddy, to release this. Like, it's like, if I do it and you go, dude, I am slammed and I can't fit this into my editorial calendar for a month, I'm not gonna be like, screw you, you son of a bitch. I'm gonna be like, cool, it's fine. And then if I introduce you to five other people or vice versa, I'm not gonna be like, hey, where are my introductions, bro? Like, I gave you this. There's a, a friend of mine, John Corcoran. I don't know if you know who he is. I do, yeah. We haven't met in person, but. He is, he is the ultimate non-scorekeeper to the point where I'm like, Either your plan is working or this is unintentional, but I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, you hook me up so much. Yeah. And I'm always like, how, like, I feel like just giving him money or something, you know, like yeah. I feel so bad because every I feel like every week there's one or two introductions to people that are awesome. He recommends me for stuff. He'll link me in a blog post, right. he, He'll, you know, and I'm just like. Stop giving me value. <laughs> like, I can't give it back. I and reciprocity terrible. is an uncontrollable yeah. thing. I mean, that is yeah. just, that's a part of us. Like, if people do things for us, we are going to be more likely to want to do things for them. Like, yeah. that's just how it works. And, and, like, even when you try to compliment him, he'll be like, no, you're the man. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> Knock it off. Accept right. the compliment, you bastard. And that brings up, I think, another interesting kind of corollary, a kind of opposite side of the things is that you find all these ways to help people. But one awesome way to add value to someone is to allow them to help you, which can sound a little weird or a little bit advanced. But like, let's say ask, and this is on the mentorship topic too, if you ask someone for some help, and if you're trying to get to know someone, like start with a very specific thing, they're good at a one liner, they could respond in, you know, a line or maybe a word or whatever. But let's say you ask for some advice and you get it. Then if you run with it, and actually, let's say, I don't know, they, t they tell you, hey, you should write these five articles about this, and you should publish them on these sites and then you should, whatever, there's a series of things and you just do it. And then you write them four months later and say, hey man, thank you so much for this advice. I did exactly what you said, I did this, this, and this. My site just grew by 6X because of it and I just wanted to say thank you. 
they're going to feel so amazing that you took their advice and that is adding tremendous value to them even though they were helping you. Yeah, that's a good point because it's basically you're just giving them that that little bump of uh, what is it, endorphins or oxytocin for giving them like, hey, I I listened to you and it worked. Yeah, and this made a good change in my life. And then they respect you on yeah. a whole new level because most people never do what they say. Like, yeah. like you want to stand out, just do what you say and yeah. kick ass at it. Just that's a good point because I spend a lot of time. I used to spend more time answering email. I reply to everything, but a lot of times people are like, "Do you have any thoughts on this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, th- my thought is listen to the toolbox where I cover this in depth for three hours. I don't expect a custom solution." I guess that's another tip is don't ask for help when there's something freely available from that person that you're too lazy to consume. Right. Because that's a huge red flag for anybody. I love giving counterexamples of things so that people know what not to do. I got an email literally yesterday. The gist was, hey, I really like your show. I'm doing this thing where I'm reaching out to one entrepreneur every day for the next month. So please fill out this Google Doc with your favorite book, your favorite resource, and a way that you think that a new entrepreneur should begin. And I, w- I just wrote back, glad you enjoy the show. Like, I should have just deleted it, but I didn't want him to feel discouraged in his reaching out efforts. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted him to know that he reached me, but I was like, and he wrote back, cool, well, do, I didn't see your response on the Google Doc. And I said, I'm not going to fill that out. This is a terrible way to reach out to people please listen to, and I listed some shows, and I was like, also do a search on my site for this. Because I'm thinking, he's probably getting a really bad response rate. Because mm, if, yeah. if I emailed you that, you would be like, are you serious yeah. right now? I've got yeah. a resource page on my website. And you, you're asking me to fill out your Google Doc? I mean, like that's just a, such a red flag that you don't understand the value of people's time and like the fact that it's not their job to help you. It's something that you are lucky to get from people. People do that kind of thing regularly. It might not be a fill out a Google Doc, but it might even just be a simple question that you could have done a search for on the website. Right. That shows not just that you're lazy, but it shows that you don't value any of our time at all because you think, well, my time is so much more valuable than yours that I'm going to ask you for this so that you can curate and tailor a solution to my problem and no, I'm not going to pay you for it, which means I'm never going to buy anything from you. I'm only going to continue leeching value from you until you get sick of me. That's the subtext of that whole email. I agree with all of that. And I think, so the way to go about it then, in your example, it's like, okay, what he should have done is send an email, say, hey, I'm doing this, and this is, I want to feature you. I'm, it's about these topics. I already have 95% of it because I found it all on your site. I'm missing this one piece, or maybe could you just say yes, approve it, or whatever it is. So it's like, okay, cool, like, yeah. That makes it really easy, and everyone likes to be featured, and so, okay, sure. cool. Yeah, and it wasn't even a feature. It was just for his personal benefit. <laughs> yeah. It was like he just wanted to learn from people, and I'm yeah. thinking like, man, you could listen to, I've done probably 100 interviews this year where I talk about, thanks to John Lee Dumas, my favorite book, and yeah, like yeah. the one resource I recommend online. I mean, I've done literally 40 to 50 of those podcasts alone yeah. where people ask me the same things. So this just says like, you literally didn't even listen to one of those things. Yeah. And it's just like, it's unbelievable. And I know you're not going to apply anything because you can't even listen to the free stuff that's out there. Uh, So now speaking of mentorship do's and don'ts, that's a clear don't, but that's not necessarily a mentorship thing. That's almost like a, you're getting screened out before I'm even thinking of you in that way type thing. What other tips do you have on this? Because a lot of people are like, I want you to mentor me. And me, I go, I don't know what that means. What do you want me to do? I don't have a mentorship curriculum that I have sitting in my brain or anywhere else. And further, when I look for quote-unquote mentors, I don't even think about it like that. I usually think, 
huh, I'm friends with this author and I promote their book everywhere because I love it and I kind of need some help and they are in a unique position to offer it. But I don't email, dear Olivia, will you mentor me? Right. I just kind of, it's it's in more informal and I think about it in a more informal way. Yeah, it's, I mean, and it's just so open-ended. Like, will you mentor me? It's like, well, oh my God. All you think is like, I just feel the pressure of like the endless amount of time that might be involved in that. And so you want to, I, I think, avoid it treating it so formally. I mean, it's not about asking you to be a mentor. It's a, what is a mentorship relationship? And generally it's, it's spending time with someone you really respect, you can learn from, and hopefully over time add value to them as well. Um, so first step is like, don't expect it to happen right away. Like all of a sudden it's going to go from, I've never met this person or talked to him to, we're going to spend time every week going over ideas. It's like, unlikely, right? Very unlikely. And, but if over time you just want to build a relationship slowly. And so the easiest way to start with that is to Send someone a note and maybe just start with a thank you, a specific thank you of something they've done and, and how you've applied it or whatever. And you can even say, hey, I, you don't even need to reply to this. I just wanted to let you know. And it's kind of nice to do that sometimes. Just say, hey, don't worry about replying. I just want you to have this. And it kind of just takes the pressure off, whatever. And then you don't feel belittled when someone doesn't respond to you. Because most people who don't respond, it's not because they don't like you. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of things going on, you know? So if, if I don't reply to your email, it's because I, I decided that I don't like you. Right, okay, good. <laughs> well, now we have that understanding. Yeah, but I think I'm the exception to that rule. I think usually people are just busy. So, and then maybe you, you sent another note in a few weeks and, and with another specific thing that was helpful from what they did or whatever, maybe you shared on your site. I mean, I love, you know, if you have, let's say, some type of a media site, like I have a, a blog and so I'll write an article or feature their, their TED Talk or whatever it is, something that's valuable and I'll, I'll mention that. And then maybe you start to, if you, once you get like a little response, you can say, hey, I have this one question, again, very specific. Um, let's say they were a good, um, an awesome journalist, very good at writing headlines. Maybe it was just like, hey, I'm thinking about these two headlines. I know that's your wheelhouse. I just, you know, read this and this and this from you. What do you think? Like one thing or the other. And so it just makes it very easy for them to add their specific expertise to you in an instant. And that feels good for them. It's valuable to you. And it also keys into something that, in a, from a psychology perspective, there's something called um, the Ben Franklin effect. Yeah, what is that? I've heard so of that. It's it's pretty fascinating. If you look it up on Wikipedia, it's pretty cool. So it's um, I forget. I think it was running for office or something like that. There was someone who just he didn't get along. He, was in, he would just went toe to toe with them, and he decided this guy had like a really rare book collection. I think, and I might be butchering this, but it's just the general idea is what we're going for here. So he reached out to him and said, "Hey, like I would love to borrow your book, and I would really appreciate that. I I know you're really into this stuff, and I and he kind of told the story, he was genuine about it, and he got the guy to lend him the book, and he found that that act of him lending him the book made that person like him more. That's right. This was a guy who didn't like Ben Franklin. Right. And yes. he had written a letter or some article about how wrong Ben Franklin was about yeah. something, and he was like an enemy, essentially. And Ben was like, I'm seeking your advice. Yeah. And the guy was like, I feel good about this. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'd think, I mean, the first thought is just, okay, what can I, how can I help this guy? I'll do something nice to them. And, you know, and there'll be some reciprocity and that works on a level, but I think on a totally more powerful and I think also subconscious level is that when someone, when we do something for someone else, we hold them in a higher light. That's just how it works. It's weird. I'd love to figure out more about how that works in the brain because it's so, it doesn't really make a ton of intuitive sense. Well, I, but I think we only help people generally that we like. The reverse engineer. Usually yeah. the liking comes first. I, I must, must like, like this them. person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. And actually, and that works for you as well. Let's say you have someone you, you work with, or you spend time with, you, you have to in, in your current situation, but you really don't like them and you don't get along with them. Yeah. Well, you could, you know, be miserably pissed off all the time. 
or you can figure out not necessarily just how to get them to like you. Sure, that's a quest in itself. But how do you get yourself to like them? And this goes back to like influence techniques from like, um, who's it? Uh, Robert Cialdini. I yeah. learned some of this stuff from in the commitment consistency department where when you, when you do things or represent a stance on something, you're going to want to stay consistent to it. Okay. So yeah. So if, if there's somebody that you, you don't really get along with, you don't like, we'll find something about them that you respect and appreciate. And that requires really doing the research, but maybe you figure out that they went to a similar school that you did, or they're from the same area, or maybe they like to fly fish, or maybe just something that totally arbitrary. Maybe they have a charity that they help people with, but find a, re- a real genuine reason why you, you can find respect for that person. And that will make you show up in a more compassionate way and it will change the nature of the relationship. Excellent. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of reverse engineering a little bit of this. Uh, it actually works even in extreme situations. Uh, a lot of people who listen to the show know the story. I was kidnapped in uh, Serbia <laughs> a long time ago. And yeah. one of the things that I did to sort of humanize myself to the, these guys was talk about food, their favorite food, my favorite food that's, of course, traditional nationalist Serbian stuff, the favorite things to drink. And I said, where can I get the best sarma in Mm. Belgrade where I live? And they were like, oh, there's this place. I love this place. And they were like, the guy was helping me find a restaurant. Meanwhile, he was like talking with his friend, like, which bridge should we throw these guys off of, you know? And then I remember shortly after that, they're like, this guy's actually, he really likes Serbia. I feel bad. And I was like, thank God. (laughs) Yeah. And it it wasn't just that one question. There's a lot of stuff like that. But I was like, you know, and then other stuff, blah, 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 you know, this, that. And so it was, I basically put them in like an uncle position. Yep. You don't usually want to murder your nephew, <laughs> although some exceptions may apply. And, and so it's a good point that, I mean, a fantastic point that no matter what's going on behind every decision and every rule, everything is a person, a person mm-hmm. that you can relate to. And so even if it's like, just like if you go into most stores, even if there's like a very specific price tag, if you ask for a discount, you'll almost always get it. Like, yeah, I'd like say won't charge you 80% tax of or the, something. Yeah, 80% yeah. of the time. Like, and, and if you not, you don't try and like be slimy, you just be friendly. Like all my standard thing is I'll ask for the local business owner's discount. And they'll usually look at me and be like, uh, well, yeah, how's 10%? Like, yeah. sure, that's cool. Like, and that doesn't exist, but I have this other thing I can do to yeah. like do that. I and do it at the Apple store, speaking of places which is that a are tough not flexible. Place to, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, which is wild. And you think you couldn't do that. And I'll do it. My wife and I, we travel as much as we can all, all around the world. And we have Live Your Legend communities all over the place. So we'll go and visit them. And part of the fun thing I like to do in different cultures is to go through the negotiation thing in places where it's, there's definitely not written price right. days. But part of the fun is you can you know, work on getting a good price. And, but when you get it, I love giving at least part of it back as a tip. Yeah, Be- nice. Because then it's Bakshish. like, because it's not, it's not as much about like, oh, I want to save my two bucks yeah, to this guy who probably really needs it. <laughs> yeah. But it's a fun thing. And it's a negotiating thing too that I remember learning at a... Um, a Karis negotiating I took a while back that the whole point of negotiating with someone is to make both people feel better when you're finished. And it's very possible, let's say with a job interview, if you accept their first, let's say they give you a hundred grand, you accept their first offer. Both of you leave feeling worse than if you would have negotiated for $10,000 more. Because what happens is if they offer you a hundred grand, you say, yes, that's great. They'll be like, wait a minute, I offered too much. If you accept it right, you'll be like, wait, I settled. I just settled, yeah. Yeah, but if you ask for, let's say, 110 and you settle on 104 or whatever, they're going to be like, all right, I really got this guy. And, like, and you're going to feel like, okay, good. I, like, I stepped up and I got my thing. And so that's the case anywhere. You can always make the relationship better 
by doing a little bit of that kind of um, back and forth negotiating. Perfect. That's a good point. I never thought about both people wanting to actually negotiate versus just getting the lowest offer. It's yeah, really funny. You, you don't want to just like put the screws in someone. That, I mean, because you want to be able to come back and then not want to like spit on your shoes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So we've talked actually a lot about meeting people or emailing people or networking with people. But what's the difference sort of between meeting in person and, and doing it online? Because I think a lot of people are like, they'll email me and be like, I saw your talk at XYZ event. And I'm always kind of like, I wasn't that busy at that event. Why didn't this person just like mm. walk up and say hi? Yeah. And I realize some people are shy, but I think almost email and online stuff is beginning to replace in-person connection. And I also think that there's probably different mechanics. I mean, do you have different sort of system or thoughts on this? Well, there's certainly a... I don't know if it's different or if it's just more, more human. So you say like, okay, we're in the studio together right now and I'm looking you in the eye, right. you know, and I can see all of you, all the nuances when, when you're not talking all that. So you say it's a show thing, but I'm guessing there's a lot of reasons why it's a show thing. Like yeah. we have a different conversation sitting down like this than yeah, we definitely. do when I'm sitting at my home office. You know? yeah. And so that's the point is that I think we're, we've reached this, this sad place where we have all these tools to connect and we're able to make all these quote unquote connections, Facebook friends, all this. But we've made the mistake of thinking a Facebook friend is a real friend. Yeah, that's and, for sure. And the sad thing is that, that it'd be fine if that was an addition, but a lot of people are starting to think it's a replacement. Like, I have my Facebook crew, so I'm good. I'm not going to go to that, that event down the street or whatever it is. Is that a young people thing? Because I, I obviously, that's not something that I ever think about. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a generational thing probably more so just because of whatever technology was around you as you've grown up probably How old are you by the way i'm 32 okay so we're like the same age i'm a little bit older than you by like two years yeah so because i just that to me is that's crazy talk yeah right the thing is it's and i don't think it's just generational because there's also a huge contingent of introverts right of like yeah. i don't know what i don't know if it's a 50 50 split or something around there of who's extrovert is introverted but it's an easy retreat online to just go and kind of do your thing and not have to really interact with folks in some ways, that's cool. You know, it's empowering for some, but it's also an easy way just to get stuck in your office. So, and that could be all the way up to, I don't know, you're 80 or 90 years old. It doesn't matter. The thing is, nothing beats an in-person interaction. I mean, especially when you think about trying to be memorable, you can send emails and tweets and, and comments on Facebook, whatever, till you're blue in the face. And most will either never get seen or never stand out because like, how, how do you make something different? Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Because you can't even make it special. It's in a, 140 character format, right. Facebook format. I've, people will write me on Facebook, even friends of mine, or they'll try to do business and stuff, and I'll answer three months later, and they're like, I'm, I'm like, sorry for the delay, but I, I look at Facebook messages like I look at right. yeah. you know, something left on my front porch. Right. Like it's not important. It's clearly not urgent. It's something that whoever left it there doesn't know me very well. Right. So, I mean, showing up is... Woody Allen, someone is just showing up as 90% of the whole thing. Or whatever I think that's like a sports guy is quote, it, maybe. So, yeah, I think it's been you know, reproduced all kinds of ways. But showing up, literally, in whatever respect that is. So start up by just deciding to show up as you, caring about who you are and showing up as like what matters to you. And then in the real world, ideally. So if there's an event, and this comes back to knowing who you want to meet, who you want to be around, what, what's exciting to you, what you're working on, because you'll be more likely to see the things and filter the things in your neighborhood, in your town, or the invitations you get to start saying yes to these kinds of things. And so it's like the idea of the three-second rule, which we mentioned earlier before the show, that for people who are scared to approach people, they have like approach anxiety, um, either in person or online, 
There's an idea I learned actually from the pickup space. Um, actually, <laughs> a, a mentor of mine told me to read a, a book, The Game, to learn about sales, not about women. I had a girlfriend right. who's now my wife and she's very supportive of the learning. But the most useful thing in there was a three-second rule. It said, if you have someone interesting you want to talk to, you have three seconds to approach them. Right. And if you wait longer, you either overthink it and screw it up or overthink it and never reach out. Right, talk yourself out of it. Right, and people will be like, you know, well, Scott, I, I have no idea what to say. That's terrifying. Right. Saying anything is better than saying nothing. Even if you fumble it, like at least you were the person to open your mouth. But the thing is, is that if you're going up to someone who's scaring you in the first place, you must know something about them. And if you do, that means you can at least say thank you for something specific. And then That's you, a good point. And then you you can't up. be scared of somebody that you have no clue what they do. Well, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Or who they are. Yeah. yeah, and if it's someone who's intimidating because you know who they are, well, just realize that everyone appreciates a genuine compliment about something specific that's affected your life. Instead of just saying, hey, thanks for the book, say, thanks for the book that helped me meet my wife or whatever happened, you know, mm -hmm. be honest. But so the three-second rule is huge, and that goes for anything. If you're thinking about reaching out to someone, don't put a note and say, hey, I'm going to reach out to him next month. Shoot a quick note, or if there's a, an event, let's say there's a book sign, you go down there and there's a line, you have a chance to reach out to someone, like just walk right up. Like, cause most of the chances don't come again. Right. In that, in that way, at least. Yeah. No, of course not. And don't do that weird thing where you float around. Yeah. <laughs> cause we see that and we just know you're going to ask us for something. Yeah. Cause I don't necessarily assume people are being shy. I kind of think they're waiting till everyone leaves cause they want to like ask me for a favor or something, or it's going to get awkward. Yeah. Is that anything you can't say in front of other people? And I don't know you, it's probably going to be right. weird. <laughs> and the goal is, it's just like with like, let's say sales, like the goal is just getting the next meeting, right? Like let's say it's a long sales process. It's yeah. not to get them to say yes in the first call. So that means you're not going to need to say all this kind of stuff that you're going to fill in later. So the first interaction isn't about getting them to become your best friend. It's about getting them to remember you, to feel appreciated and for next time when you reach out, they're like, oh yeah, like that was Yvonne who was like unbelievably grateful and almost brought me to tears when she thanked me for how I helped her connect with her friends in her hometown at the event I saw her at this past weekend, which, which recently happened. It was like, okay, that, that's memorable. You know, I had a better day because of it. Yeah, that's excellent. And so don't just be the person who like adds me on Facebook and then I have to ask how I know you. And then it's like, oh, I saw you speak at an event. Right. By the way, I've been meaning to ask you this. I get that all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, why didn't you ask me this a year ago when you... You should be able to respond and say, oh, yeah, I'm the guy who came up and asked you specifically about my yeah. long distance relationship situation or whatever. And right. you're like, oh, cool, like friend or right. whatever. You right. Know? Excellent. Well, I want to sort of wrap with a little bit of this because I know a lot of what you talk about, people are going, what about the follow your passion thing? What about the follow your passion thing? Yeah. And I talk about how I think a lot of that is self-selecting. And so like people who follow their passion or who say follow their passion or follow your passion. It's just like a cute, fun thing to say. Yep. And your business is live your legend. So a lot of people go, oh, just do what Scott Dinsmore says and follow your passion. But it's got to be more complicated because otherwise it's just guys like you and I with microphones who are able to say that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And the whole follow your passion thing, it, it gives me, um, it makes me cringe a little bit because I feel like it's so overused and just like, yeah. what does that even mean? It's a cute thing people say when they have speech opportunities because they have no idea how to articulate where they got yeah. in an hour. And the thing is, I mean, so the passion topic, I know that lately there's been more headlines about like passion, follow your passion is bad advice and yes. stuff like that. And I think a lot of those, once you dig into their argument, it's not that they think that idea is a bad idea. It's more they have a different approach to it. And because really what it's about is like figuring out what are you talented at? What are your underlying strengths and your values and the things that matter to you and the difference you can make and aligning who you are and kind of how you spend your time 
That, I mean, Gallup has done, I think, more research than any group on this. They have their StrengthsFinder 2.0 test and sure. all these different, I think they've, they've done research on like 500,000 people or something like that, where they found that fulfillment, one of the biggest leaders of fulfillment is spending the majority of your time or using your strengths on a regular basis. And so usually that stuff is aligned with what you're excited about. And if you're doing things you're good at, that, that usually feels good and it, it causes you to either learn more about the area and, and either passion develops from that. Or you overlay something you're excited. Let's say it's guitar, and your your strengths are rooted in training and teaching and and inspiring and positivity. Who knows what it is? But you can find ways to overlap that stuff. Sure. So it's not just some random like you're a guitar player. Okay, follow your passion. Like go try and become the next Taylor Swift or whatever. It's not. Sure. It's not what it's about. There's all kinds of ways to weave this stuff together. It's about finding your pre-existing strengths or rather finding your strengths, because a lot of people don't have a pre-existing passion. They don't even know what it is. I'm sure you get that question too. How do I follow it if I can't even identify it? Yeah, and and of course, there's all kinds of ways to identify it. And you never, it, it, it's an experiment that never ends. So that's the whole right. name of the game. It's like you're just, you're constantly like that sailboat story the, or the missile example. You know, you're, you're going back and forth. Let's stick with missiles. And <laughs> I think people are more familiar and, with missiles. And you're learning and you're going. And we have um, something I talk about in Live Your Legend is the, the three C's, which is like to consume, create, and connect. And when you do those three things, in a, kind of a not necessarily step by step, just constantly think about each week, how am I going to do some of that stuff? Consume a little bit to learn about what you're excited about, what other people are excited about, and then Create so you can start to experiment, get stuff out there, write, um, start writing a journal, writing a blog, write, um, you know, do something, get on a microphone, whatever it is, share it with someone over lunch and connect in, in that way. And it ends up being circular. And so that's another reason why we talk about the surroundings thing is that people say a lot of times, you're like, well, I don't know who I want to surround myself with because I don't know what I'm passionate about. Like, okay, well, the, we've seen more progress made of people discovering what they're excited about and finding like a new career because they started just to hang around people who are inspiring. Maybe it's not people who have their dream career because I don't know. Maybe you don't know what your dream career is yet. But people who just, you look at them, you're like, oh my God, that guy just is contagious. And if you're around that enough, you start to feel like you deserve it as well. And your thinking goes from kind of how could I possibly do this to how could I possibly not? And when you do that, it ripples across your whole world. And so that starts in the real world. Go find a meetup group that's involved in something you like. Um, Live Your Legend has free communities all over the world in like 150 cities and 50 countries. I mean, it doesn't matter. Find, just find someone in town. You yeah, know? excellent. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, and I just get a little bit like yeah, pumped on that. Somebody <laughs> found their passion. Yeah, excellent. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. I just wanted to address that. I don't want to dive into it a bunch. I just wanted to address that because a lot of people are like, they're going to wonder why I didn't ask you about it and they're going to think that I'm just, you know, drinking the Scott Dinsmore Kool-Aid, which I am a little bit. Well, good. I'm glad. You you can do this in your own job, too. Like, it's not just about going out and, like, starting something or whatever. Like, okay. you can make, say, 80%, 90% shift in your enjoyment and excitement at, at your office, even if it's something you haven't liked before, just if you find a way to shift using more of your strengths on a routine basis. So, Wow. Well, great. Thank you very much for coming in, my friend. Yeah, I'll join it. It's a total honor, man. This is fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that one with Scott Dinsmore of Live Your Legend. We're going to link that up in the show notes. It really is true. You only go as high as your five closest friends. Starting that networking process can be tricky, but we got some tips here today. And making sure the people you do meet are in alignment with your values is really key. Otherwise, you can find yourself getting dragged back down. Just like, uh, what is it, the lobsters that pull each other back into the bucket when they're getting cooked. Uh, of course, making genuine connections, even as an introvert. No more excuses about, oh, I'm just an introvert. I'm a shy person. It's a bunch of baloney. You can work on that, you can figure it out, and you can do it even if you are introverted. And of course, figuring out the real and unique value you can offer to others is the key to that. 
connecting with influencers as well as mentorship do's and don'ts. Hopefully you guys heard some examples from both Scott and myself today on the show about what not to do and how to get around that stuff. And of course, getting someone to like you using the Benjamin Franklin effect and the differences between meeting people in person versus online. This episode has a lot of gold. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed recording. And of course, show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let me know, jordan at theartofcharm.com. If you enjoyed this one, don't forget to thank Scott on Twitter. We're going to have that linked up in the show notes as well. Bootcamp details at theartofcharm.com. And if you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, that really needs to change because getting this stuff delivered for free to your phone or your computer while you sleep is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. And you can do that by going to iTunes and searching for The Art of Charm or go to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes, click subscribe. That's pretty much it. Of course, we have our iPhone and Android apps available at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone and slash Android as well. And go ahead, tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. And have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.